Welcome to The Mighty Dragon. Recently, I watched a terrific horror short called The Rose, written and directed by my friend and past The Mighty Dragon interviewee, Andrew Froning. The Rose stars Alex Alessi, an actor who provides a powerful performance. I just had to ask him on to the podcast. We discuss his career in acting, how he prepares for roles, what parts of himself he brings to a character and how he handles feedback and criticism, plus much more. With his eyes on a superhero role, tune in to see what character this is. Or can you guess? Welcome to the Mighty Dragon, Alex Alessi. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, just swell. Hanging in there, you know? Wow. I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) You never hear that in the UK. You never hear the word swell. And I I think very American word. It is totally. We're here to discuss your acting career. What drew you to acting as a career? Oh, I mean, when I was a kid, it was kind of like, you know, you walk out of a movie. My mom would always say I walked out and I was quoting the whole movie. So I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was just a little pieces of it but i i distinctly remember uh i was i was a big fan of batman in 1989 that whole movie and i like yeah to this day i could still almost do the whole movie i had a comic and all that so like as a kid i would just do it i just pick it up like a sponge um you know and then elementary school you do plays things like that and i kind of got out of it in high school i was like that's stupid i'm gonna be in a band because it's much easier to make it as a band than to go ahead and learn lines all the time I, I was a little gun shy about memorizing my lines I was a little scared I couldn't do it which as a kid I was a sponge and could do it so it was just all up yeah. in here so yeah like what happened is I ended up in college uh trying to be in a band pursuing graphic design and I needed to take electives so I took an acting class and in there that's when it's like it just clicked um I could do the improv I was constantly you do a game where it's like tag you're it and you keep coming in and I kept getting back in the game every time and then I'd learn lines no problem for the yes. scenes we had to do so that just led student films which kind of just made me say well why not why not go for it you're right there I'm right outside of New York about an hour away like just get out there and then the rest is like is history uh you know I did some extra work I was in The Last Airbender um from M. Night Shyamalan uh, which oh. was interesting. It was a really cool, crazy, big set in a hangar. Like, so, you know, you, you pick up those experiences and it just keeps rolling. And then you meet people along the way and it's just snowballed from there. Wonderful. Who was your favorite Batman, by the way? Oh, that's horrible. So I have, I have a whole theory, <laughs> a whole thing, because I'm a Ooh. huge Batman geek. <laughs> I mean, who my favorite is, like, right, it's hard because I feel like, Pattinson really did a good job. I thought the last one, I love the detective style. Right. Uh, Christian Bale really embodied a lot. But my whole thing is there's never actually been a bad Batman. Every Batman has done exactly what that movie asked them to do. So even George Clooney, who Batman and Robin is ridiculous and not a good movie. He did exactly what was called for in the movie. It's like, this is what Joel Schumacher was going for in that movie. And obviously George Clooney is not a bad actor. Yeah, it's just so like my whole thing is like there's never a bad version of Batman. There's a bad take maybe, but like every version has its own little place. So yes, that's a very wise answer. Very good answer. I could have said Kevin Conroy. That would have been the best because him that that voice. Anytime I read a Batman comic, 
it, it's my childhood again. It's just all up in there. So probably Mark Hamill is the Joker too, though, in that case. Oh, so. yes. Always. Okay. I would never, oh. ever diss Hamill in anything. He's my absolute Oh, he's amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. I love him. Oh. Everything about him. Can you share a memorable experience uh, from one of your past roles? Um, you know, it's funny because I, I was thinking about this a little bit and I was trying to say, well, what what makes a role memorable? And a lot of times you're going so fast. Uh, there's not much you can think of on set. You're just kind of like, oh, that was cool. It was a good day. You know, you make it through. I always found like the most memorable things are like when something went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, something went wrong. <laughs> so I have two feature films that I made. And the first one, it's a movie called Nomad. It's just about a guy and a girl in a house overnight catching up. They're like, uh, they're high school sweethearts. And 10 years later, they meet up again. So we're good to go. We're making this movie. We shot one day. And then suddenly my lead actress was like, oh no, I can't do this. I have a play. And I, I messed up. It's a scheduling conflict. I'm like, oh no, great. We were trying to shoot this tight schedule, tight budget. So I shoot the whole next day, just pick up scenes for myself while scrambling to get a new actress. And we found, uh, through pure luck, Facebook, uh, Sarah Weber, who ended up in the movie. So what makes it memorable, uh, you know, working with her was great. Everything was great. It was really tight-knit, almost like a family unit. There's only four or five people on set the whole time, really micro budget. But her first, her first day, she comes in, and we had a few scenes we had to do, and most of it's a night shoot. There's a scene in the movie where we go skinny dipping. And how, because I directed it as well, how we plan to sell it so Sarah didn't have to take off any clothing if she didn't want to. She she could just will fake it. I have to jump in this pool naked. Oh, that's <laughs> the first time I've ever met this woman. First day, we've only shot a few scenes, and the way we planned to shoot it, which I'm kicking myself for this now, was she walks over and we swing over and you see me jump in the pool. So this poor girl meets me in the first. First night she meets me, she has to watch me jump in a pool naked like three times. <laughs> oh no. And uh, the, the worst part, you're going through the edit of it and her eyeline just kept not lining up because she was like, I, just, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. <laughs> and, you know, from that night though, like we really, and we're still really good friends to this day. Like everything was there. Like I, I find that if you have a respectful set and everyone just like, respects boundaries, you know, even if you have an intimate moment like that and it's sprung on you, which I've walked on to short film sets and it's like, hi, this is, this is so-and-so and you'll be making out with her in two seconds. Make it the biggest sloppiest kiss you've ever done. Literally also, <laughs> that's another memorable one that's happened to me. That, that yeah. wasn't a disaster, but that was, that was early on. It was like, oh, hi, it's so nice to me. Okay. Uh. Um, but yeah, the, the worst part about that with Sarah is I realized we did whip pan and I could have just had her not there. <laughs> And we could have yes. edited in the whip pan and she didn't have to see me naked. And so, you know, it's things like that. And then the other feature that I did um, a little bit before that, a little bit after it took a while to shoot this one, uh, when everything's gone, we actually had a director originally attached who, for the first three days of shooting, uh, found himself with a scheduling conflict somehow. So the director of your movie couldn't be there. Oh. And he had an assistant director who ended up being the co-director with me on the film yeah. and uh, also a sound uh, recordist who actually I'm really great friends with. We're producing partners now, all this stuff, built a great relationship from it. So they show up on set. He's not there. The assistant director suddenly has to direct it. And that's not an assistant director's job. 
Yeah. Wow. So we're shooting through the day and they pull me aside and we're like, oh no. They're like, we need we need to talk to you about something. I'm like, they they think this is horrible. You know, this is me trying to make this happen. This is how you you make an acting career happen. You gotta create your own stuff and and I think yeah. it's good. Everyone's telling me it's good and they're gonna hate this. We were supposed to do an overnight shoot at a cabin about three hours away. They're both married and have wives, and their wives were not happy with the fact that they had no clue they were supposed to sleep over because they weren't informed from the former director they were supposed to be there. <laughs> so I scrambled. I had to do a recast on a part. I had to rearrange stuff, relearn lines in my head because I'm doing all this work. And we kind of just like shot as much as we could, as late as we could that next day. Um, Might have broke a couple of rules to get that done. but. Right. It built this camaraderie that will always stick with me. And like almost everyone on that movie, I work with all the time now. And we all keep together because we came together and made a movie happen. I think that's always the most memorable thing when you're working on something and you build these relationships that just last because you work together well and you found a good groove. And then from there, it's like, I want to do it again. I don't care if something goes wrong because I know the worst thing could happen and you're going to make it work and you're going to make something we're all proud of. So. That's yeah, great. It's a lot. But yeah, that, that's usually where the memorable stuff comes from for me is something terrible happens. And that's like, <laughs> but we made it okay. Great. How do you prepare for a new character and immerse yourself in the role? Uh, you know, it's all it's all very specific to the role a, a lot of times. So like, uh, for instance, when I did my movie When Everything's Gone, it's a post-apocalyptic thing. We shot the first part of the movie is like a year or two earlier. And then I took an entire year off and I lost a ton of weight. I lost like 20, 30 pounds because he's, he was supposed to be alone in a, a post-apocalyptic event for yeah. two years. So for I, that, I need I your weight loss shape. secrets. <laughs> Sorry. I need your weight loss secrets. <laughs> my, my friend, Chris, who was a trainer, <laughs> right. um, no, weight loss secret, uh, <laughs> <laughs> eat less than you're than you're burning through a day that, yeah. that is the, the main thing everyone's it. like don't eat carbs don't eat like yeah you want to balance things it's probably better to eat less fast for what's going on in here yeah just as long as you're eating a little bit less then you're you'll somehow something will will burn off but sorry yeah, i butted in no. carry on please no no absolutely <laughs> like it's a big thing with so many people that prepare for roles you, you see superhero movies hugh jackman oh my god the way they get stuff done, they have nutritionists, they have all that, they have so many resources to go ahead and transform when you're trying to do it yourself. Yeah. It is hard to figure it out. It's hard. Like I'm lucky I had a personal trainer friend. Um, and I try to keep the weight off now, but yeah, it's, it's always stuff like that. I start with a physical transformation. So like, you know, if a director, I did a short film with this great guy, Errol Mars, uh, it was actually end of 2020. We shot this, which was frightening in its own right because first time set during all that craziness but he's like i don't want you to have a beard right so that's kind of where it starts you're like okay well if i don't have a beard that kind of dictates how that's going to feel what kind of character i'm playing and when you see the movie just getting rid of this it it shaves off a couple of years so i look a little younger but also it just adds a goofy feel to it and it's a comedy so there's stuff like that i'll do you know, it's a nomad. I was supposed to be pretty much living out of my car. And I was already prepping for being in a po- an apocalypse. So I had no shaving my beard. I didn't comb my hair. Just yeah. look as grimy as possible. And if you build up that outer 
feeling and appearance, I always find that the internal stuff comes, you know, it it really comes from there. Um, you know, my friend Jamal Green, I was on a web series of his called, uh, Chronicles of, I think it's Chronicles of a Profile, but each episode, Chronicles of whatever. Uh, but I was supposed to play a, a cop that like was in the military, had like some PTSD issues, stuff like that. For me, it was like, all right, well, what's the wardrobe? What's, what's that like, you know? For whatever scenes, so you get like a, an A shirt or something like that that you wear underneath. So I had some dog tags, things like that, just to commemorate that. You start building that stuff out, and then yeah, like internally, it's got to really. I was never a veteran, you know, so I don't really know. I can truly speak that experience, but you dig into whatever you can inside. You think about your memories. What what was traumatic for you? What will build on that? And that's where you pull from it. And like, I had to shoot it a moment for him that I just kind of shot myself because he needed it as a flashback. And I had to really dig into this moment where it's supposed to be a war flashback. And I'm like laying on the ground and there's bombs and stuff going off. And just like, you just feel whatever it is, that terror that that would be. You find what scared you in your mind and you do it, you know? Ah. Are there specific genre or types of characters that you enjoy portraying the most? I think of myself a lot of times, I like to think of myself as going for an everyman who just gets thrust into whatever extreme situations going on, no matter, it could be a little extreme, whatever. Now, Die Hard always comes to mind. Like, I would love to be an action (laughs) star and do all that kind of stuff. I'd love to be a superhero. But a big thing as an actor is you got to know where you fall in there because as much as I'd love to be like, well, I could be the next Chris Evans. Chris Evans, I am not. You know, like there's certain characters I could fall in there where I would work. I would have, when I was younger, I could have been a Spider-Man because Spider-Man's supposed to be just the average show that right. you wouldn't think about, you know? Things like that is really where my mindset starts with roles. I mean, I've been tossed into plenty of things as villains and stuff like that, where I guess if you're a villain, you're, you're rarely the everman as a villain. You're usually something diabolical or brilliant, whatever it is. but that's usually where I find I fit. Not to be that I'm an average person, but that person that you kind of look at and you can reflect on. Um, if you're just an average cis white male, uh, you know, that fits into that mold, uh, which probably makes it hard to get cast, if I'm being honest, because there's probably a million of me out there, um, which is the fact that that's changed. That's great. I love that. I love that the industry yes. is shifting and doing different things. Uh, I'm constantly trying to do that. One of the downsides of both my features is I feel like there wasn't enough diversity, but that comes with budget and time. And do we have a chance to go ahead and expand this and do more? It's like, we didn't. I'm always looking for that as a filmmaker. And then, yeah, as an actor, you just find that spot that you're that every man. So yeah, I mean, if I could be a superhero one day, that'd be so cool. It'd be great. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be Batman. I, I love him, but there's no way I couldn't. It wouldn't happen. So oh, never say never. You never never say never. You never know, know. I, I, they just released a trailer for their new like Christmas thing. It's coming on Amazon. It's like, well, that's definitely different. So you never right. know. They might be like, you, you would be perfect. Maybe it's like a throwback to Michael Keaton because he also doesn't look like he should be Batman, but Batman is Batman. <laughs> He's my favorite. He's my favorite. Definitely. It's hard not to love him. Like it's <clears throat> it's there. Really He's, good. For a lot of us. That's the introduction. I mean, you have your Adam West, of course. You can't. Yes. No one could ever discount Adam West. He gets to be in his own little pocket over here. 
Yes. But yeah, it's, it's he set the bar and it's such a high bar. Yeah, it really I is think, such a high bar. Yeah. He's such a great actor as well, isn't he? Um, amazing. Yeah. Really amazing. What challenges have you faced in your acting career and how did you overcome them? It's finding that next thing is usually the hardest challenge. You know, if, you, if you're not creating your own stuff, casting is tough. It's tough. Um, and I think, yes, it's getting that experience, finding that next project. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can't deal with the rejection of losing out on almost every role, then it's probably not the business for you because that's, that is the job. The job is literally to just be able to take rejection and keep moving forward. A lot of times, having been on both sides of the casting, whatever you're doing might not be wrong. It's just not right for that moment. But it doesn't mean you're bad. Just someone else had a better take. And like, that's, that's the toughest thing. You got to be able to prepare yourself like that. You got to be able to look at it and say, Hey, it's okay. You keep pushing forward. You tried something. It didn't work. It doesn't mean that you're giving a bad reading. It just means that it wasn't the right reading. So it's always that trying to find those footholds in the industry and keep moving forward. Um, I've always struggled. I still don't have it. I've had a few times of representation, uh, you know, getting a manager and agent and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a long haul to try and do that, but it shouldn't stop you. That's I always put myself in the place of you got to be able to keep creating. And yeah, if you can't book those roles through auditions and stuff, you got to build those networks. If you can't write your own movie, make friends with people that can try and see what's going on. And even if it's a small part, um, you know, that's what happens. Everything I've built with my acting career, a lot of it comes from. I was on a film set. I met people. I treated them right. I treated them with respect. I built a friendship. And maybe it's a year later. Maybe it's five years later. I think in one case, it was almost like 10 years. I think I knew this person. We kept in touch. And it's suddenly, hey, we should work on this thing together. And it just kind of goes from there. I, I met yeah. this great actor, uh, Danny Danelli, who's, who's amazing. He, he's so talented. He's also a really talented DP, all that. But I met him on last airbender we were both extras I, I was doing fighting he was like a villager we met very briefly we met again maybe a year later at an audition in philadelphia and they made us read together and i was kind of like oh, hey i know you for the thing uh cool then maybe another year after that he was making a short film and had auditions for it i won read for it and like dude definitely you should come work on us like we're so glad you're around like great and then later that year he was in a short film i did and to this day like we'll just keep in touch and it'll always be ideas and we're looking for projects to work on together because we met one day at an audition after working together on something where we were just extras yeah so the cultivating those relationships are so important because it makes those tough things of working through the industry to get work done that much easier because you have that camaraderie. You're in the trenches together, these people, you know, like, yeah. like I said, never been in war, but I do understand that whole, you're in this together. Yeah. That's how you, that's how things really happen. Right. Can you discuss a project where you had to work uh, closely with other actors and how did you collaborate? Oh uh, yeah. So I did a, a pilot for, for a show called life and waiting. And the whole concept is, is people that work in like, a restaurant it's like uh you know 
very chain restaurant type thing. And it's not doing well. So it's an ensemble piece that we put together. And, and the whole concept is these people are working there, but we're following their lives of how they're trying to get out. And so it's not the bear where like, yeah, we love restaurants. It's like, no, no, I want to go do this thing, but this is how I'm paying the bills and I need to get out of it. So, you know, you put people together for that one episode. There's only so much you can really do and so many character moments you can tell. But I was so enamored with the cast we put together for it and the people that we brought in, which like speaking of memorable moments, we had one actor set to play a cook who was supposed to be of Mexican descent and all this stuff. And the guy dropped out saying like, he he doesn't want to feel like a stereotypical Mexican or something like that. He was worried that that's what was going to happen. I waited tables for a long time with a lot of people from Mexico, Ecuador, all over. Um, So I was trying to be as respectful as possible with that because those are the people I was trying to tell a story of. Right. But there's this brilliant Spanish actress that I worked with um, named Sandra that was in When Everything's Gone. And I was like, hey, would you like to play this part? She came in and her chemistry with the one other cook in it, like amazing, so much fun. And just that was the stuff that made it so memorable is you had these little pieces to the puzzle. Uh, We had this one bartender that had like maybe a line two lines in the whole script uh played by this great actor uh named dax really awesome guy he took it and it, he just ran with it to where it's like the next episode in my mind like you're we're gonna be elevated you're a regular without question you're gonna be so good because everyone was just bringing themselves to the part and we we're all just improvising and doing we had three cameras going at the same time so we could just make stuff up and like that chemistry is just when you have that on a set as an actor, it's a playground. You have so right. much fun and it really makes me want to make that show. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really thinking about that is always like every experience working with actors is different. And, you know, you always find what's going to work with whoever you're working with. Um, but that really clicked to me because it was just a bunch of us. It was like a jazz band. It just felt like we were just improving all over, having a great time and just, creating something that really could have, we, we were thinking it could have been like the office. It could have, could have been that kind of thing. You pop it on and I love it that. and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the moment I felt like, yeah, those people I want to work with so bad again. How do you handle criticism or feedback about your performances? So it depends on where it's coming from. If it's coming from, if it's coming from like peers I've worked with, even a bad note, there's a good note in there. Um, I, I've, I've gotten plenty of notes where it's like, what, I, what are you doing? And then you have to think about it for a minute and say, all right, well, if you're having this issue, maybe this is a solution, but also like sometimes there aren't issues there. Sometimes they're exactly what you need to hear. Like, oh, that you're right. That's awful. So uh, that's why I always try to do, you gotta be open to it. I think collaboration is such a big part of acting and filmmaking. You know, if I have yeah. an edit and it's too long, it's really good for someone to say, you don't need that beat. It's, it shouldn't be in there. Right. You know, there's there's some stuff that didn't look right and when everything's gone, the way it was shot. And it was just because we were up against it on filming day. And so stuff didn't get shot right. But going through that and getting notes, I was able to say, well, what if we combine this scene and this scene? And we made like a little montage out of it. And it just built the moment so well. Right. And that only happened because someone else watched the movie and said, this isn't working for me. Um, and on set, same thing. If you're doing something, it's not big enough. It's not small enough. 
as, as long as someone tells you straight up how it is, not a long way around to tell you, don't, don't overcomplicate it. It's always good to take the note and, and go with it, even if you don't agree with it, to find something in it. But yeah, if it's like a user review on Amazon for your movie, that's usually a bad idea. I've, I've learned that now. <laughs> don't, don't read the user reviews because unless you're a huge movie, it's very unlikely you're getting a positive feedback that someone, because I don't know what it is with the internet. I mean, it is the internet, but a lot of people like to put their negativity out there before their positivities. If your movie blows up, you might find some good ones, man. So like I made it 15 minutes in. It's like, so you didn't watch the whole movie then. Cool. (laughs) Great. So that's, that's how I stand on it. If you know what you're talking about, I will find a note, but if you're just whoever on Amazon, yeah. I'm probably not going to even look at it. Fair enough. There's a troll, troll central there. Oh God, so many. So now, many. I think you've I think you've already answered this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. That's fine. Are there any <laughs> Are there any dream roles or projects you aspire to be part of in the future? Hmm. Yeah, superhero. Definitely want to be a superhero. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I right right now for for me, it's always like the next thing that is on deck um, in a realist sense. I mean, God, it's like Christopher Nolan called. I'm not saying mm. no, sure. Yeah. But right now, like, so I'm developing. I've got my own features that I'm developing with producing partners. It's like we're looking for funding, trying to get that going. That's really like those are the dream projects. Because you have this idea, you have people on board, they're interested, you've refined it, you've taken those notes, and you're building something. And the more you're building that up and creating things, like you're finding those characters and you really want to embody that. Like you want to do that so bad. So yeah, like right now, I've got a movie that, uh, it's, it's called Kings and Pawns. And it's it's the movie Blind Spotting meets John Wick is how I've put it. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's it's about veterans that come home and they're working for like a storage company as movers. And uh, they, they go and they have some very rich clients that they move stuff into storage for. And occasionally they will pawn something off just to get a little bit extra cash because they're not really getting by. One day they're put on a really important job and they end up taking from the wrong person and chaos ensues. But there's a lot. It's really a layered thing. Like that's like the as best of an elevator pitch as I can get for it but it's really layered and there's a lot going on there and it deals with a lot of themes that I really care about and things like that so yeah I mean I really want to make that it's just you got stunt people involved you want to make sure that they're paid well and that everything is taken care of and everyone's safe um and then the other one I got I have a a movie that's a horror movie called development hell and it's about a, a writer that's working on a cursed project like a cursed screenplay that the studio executive gives him to uh well i guess make his life uh, a living hell uh that's a whole thing where it's like i'd love to do it i know so many people want to do horror uh, yeah. i just did like a horror short that was really fun yes and yeah like it's those things like i want to get those checked off and then once they're out there it's like all right so what's next what's the big thing when is chris nolan going to call me already so we can start <laughs> working on it I'm available. Um, <laughs> Great. Would he be the uh, perfect director for you, do you think? That's a tough... I mean, it really depends because I feel like he's, he sounds like an amazing director to work with. Yes. But like you got you got your list of dream directors. I, I don't know if he'd be perfect, 
but like Denny Villeneuve, like holy, holy crap, everything he's done. I, I'm still very upset that Dune had to move. I know why it had ah. to move. So upset, like they're doing amazing work, but someone like Wes Anderson, if I could get in a Wes yeah. Anderson movie, that's that's right. there's so many incredible voices out there that it's hard to be like, that's the guy. Honestly, I think the guy, no one knows who it is yet. Like that's that's you're, you'll find that person. I always find it really interesting to find out that Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro grew up on like the same block in New York and oh, didn't really, really know they knew of each other. Yeah. Wow. The same town, at least I don't know the exact same block, but they're both similar. They, they knew of each other, but didn't know each other really well. And at some point they're like, Oh, Hey, yeah, you're, you're, you're Bobby. And oh yeah. yeah. And they built this career eventually just working and yeah. they're still making movies together. And it's like, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's nuts. But who was Martin Scorsese then? Now he's, yeah. you know, like, oh my God, that whole group of filmmakers is insane. But yeah, that's, that excites me. Like, obviously you get a call from one of the big ones. That's awesome. I lose my mind. But when you're working with that one person that you, you you're the first to see it, like that person's yeah. a gene. Maybe it's me. That'd be fun. Uh, but that, that'd be so cool to, to, to see that happen. Okay. Um, how do you balance staying true to a character versus bringing your unique interpretation to a role? So I think that the best way to even think about that is that everything has to be about the truth of the character at the end of the day. Whatever's on the page, you can interpret it how you're going to and all that, but it's got to be right for what's there. And maybe what you think is right is something way different than someone else did. And that's what got you the part in the first right. place. Um, but I always think at the end of the day, they have to come hand in hand. They have to work together. Because if you're doing something that's like way out there, out of left field, doesn't really work, it, it could come together and it, it could do that. But then you're kind of doing a disservice to what the writers put the work into. Right. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, like things happen. Writer, writers get rushed all the time. Characters get underdeveloped. And you get to come play. You get to be like, this is what I'm doing with it. And they didn't think about it. It's not on the page at all. And that's awesome. All of it has to come down to what is this character? Who, who is he? Where, where are they going in their journey? And what do you bring to it? And then there's always going to be little things. Like I always think about uh, like Harrison Ford. He's always pointing at people. Things, that, things like that that you just bring to it. Or Leo DiCaprio raises a glass. I, I don't know if that's really happened a lot, but it seems like it. There's things you can't help. That's just you. That just comes right. through that you don't mean to. And that's always the fun part where no matter how out there, what you're doing is when that piece of you from your life experience and all that comes through. And there's that moment of realism there because it's mm. just you living in the moment. That's yeah. always, that's the fun part. Uh, I think always when it blurs yeah. into, are you really acting or are you just feeling this moment and doing it like you would in real life? So your last question, you'll be pleased to hear, is what advice <laughs> What advice would you give to aspiring actors entering the industry? Just keep going. Like once you get in here, it's going to be hard. You're, you're going to go, you're going to sit in a room and you're going to look around and you're going to see 17 other versions of you. Right. And that's a lot. You see, you see a lot. And, but they're not you. They might look like the same thing, but you're bringing something unique to the table. You're going to get rejected. You're, you're going to feel embarrassed. I remember sitting in an audition. It was, probably, it was like on Broadway. It wasn't for a Broadway show, it was just on Broadway. I went to community college. I didn't go to NYU, any of that stuff. I, I didn't 
put a lot of money into college. Why I'm not in debt right now, probably. These guys looked at my resume, saw that, and you could just see the nose go, hmm. It was the biggest snobbery I could ever experience in a room. And it made you feel less than. You walk out that door, you walk back through Times Square, which any actors, any people in New York will tell you it's the worst. Because, and, and rightfully so, it's a tourist trap. There's people from all over the country in this one little square foot of wherever New York. And that's where this audition was. But you walk through there and you just start thinking about your career, thinking about what you do. And you say, those guys don't know me. They don't know what's going on here. They read on a piece of paper I went to a community college. And that's when they decided they weren't going to give me a chance. Everything you do in the room matters. So that's, that's why I would say, don't let them derail you. You keep going, create, keep creating, do what you can. If you can't shoot your own movie, you can't write your own movie, make friends with people that are. Student films are, are beautiful backdoor to building a reel because they're learning. And that's how you go ahead and you get those moments. Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing is keep creating, keep acting. I, I think that after uh, the pandemic and all that stuff, there was a little bit of lull in me creating stuff. I mean, most people, I think, fell into a little bit. And that, you know, I was developing those features and all that stuff and shot a couple of things. But this year, specifically, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start making a short film every month. Whether it's just to practice something with directing or building out acting moments. I'm going to create and we're going to see what happens. And I, I've been going really good with it. I think, I think I'm going to get six or seven out this year that I put together, but it's just really good to create. Cause at the end of the day, let's say you make a movie and it's horrible. You shot this short film. You, you did a thing for your reel. It's just terrible. You could just put that aside. It was an experience you had move on to the next one. And you just, you just keep pushing. If you love acting, I can't guarantee you're going to make money and be able to pay your bills doing it, but I can guarantee you that you'll always love doing it when you're doing it. Um, so that's, that's the best advice anyone could ever have act where you can act just, just like a writer, a writer writes always an actor should be acting all the time, no matter what it means. So that's just keep going, keep, keep moving forward. As I, I believe Walt, Di Walt Disney said, yeah, yeah, I think that was the one. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for going through your career history and also for all the advice and tips that you've given. And please do come back to the mighty dragon when you're on batman or I, you are batman sorry when i am batman <laughs> i'm not in batman or batman I'll, even <laughs> I'll, I'll send i'll send you a video of me playing batman now when i found matt brilliant. reeves is doing i'm like i'm gonna put this out here it's not gonna work but i'm gonna shoot a little <laughs> short thing and i'm gonna say hey matt reeves <laughs> me as batman so dark can't see any of it but it's still fun <laughs> to do Thanks so much, Alex. Have a really great day and hopefully see you back on the Mighty Dragon. Yeah, looking forward to it. You too. It's been Thank a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye.